This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs from comedian slash comedian Dennis Miller and his guy Friday Christian Blatt. So let's light that candle, Hiroshi. Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Miller! It's my new opening. <laughs> Do you like I've been working Christian. I test marketed it out at the mall. And uh, well, now that I've screwed the pooch, you're probably not going to be surprised, though, but that's my new opening. Wait a minute. I just got in the studio. <laughs> Dennis. Oh, I like it. Can we change <laughs> the name of the, it the first Can time. we change the name of the podcast to that? <laughs> now, how would you spell that? How many E's is that? It's like Heyo. It's a Carson thing, but uh, you know. <laughs> um, hey, and by the way, what? Is, have you ever seen these COPD commercials for this drug called Enoro? I have, yeah. Where the people always get so pissed off and say, "They wanted me to do this, but I went my own way." <laughs> and you're thinking, Christ, you were hooked on the cigarettes for forty years. <laughs> Yeah, I oh, went so my you're own the way. Master of your own universe? Why did you quit smoking? <laughs> They're always so pissed off. The doctor told me to deal with my COPD like this. I chose to go my own way. And I'm thinking, man, you could have saved yourself this whole commercial. Just not, uh, I guess we shouldn't talk about smoking. Well, no, we can talk about it, especially because you're talking about how smoking's bad. Well, listen, know? if you don't know that smoking's bad for you, you're lying through the uh, hole in your trachea. Let's say that. <laughs> what, uh, don't you have a favorite line about smoking from Pendulette? Oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, Christian. Christ. Folks, I'm sorry we've turned into that sad-ass thing where I'm like, uh, I have to be prompted yeah. to that degree. I don't think people understand. I, I actually can't have... believe I've turned into that guy where I... literally Christian has to put the harness I... on me, take me up, dunk my head in the pond. <laughs> people, people don't realize that I have the Dennis Miller doll from 25 years ago, <laughs> and I just pull the string after I ask it a question. Well, Penn, who's a certifiable genius, used to do that thing at the end where he'd light a cigarette up on Broadway. And, you know, it was a magic act, so you'd get a lot of families there. And Penn would light a cigarette up at the end to talk about how magic changed his life. And, uh, you know, he secondarily, it wasn't an overt gesture. He'd light the smoke up and take a long drag on it and blow it out and talk about magic. And then he'd say, oh, and this, kids, uh, anybody watching this? Don't smoke unless you want to look really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, the pissiness of that used to make me fall out of my chair. Um, the great pendulum and tellers of genius, too. They're so funny when they're together. And so that's why, you know, there are very few things that make you feel like you really made it in show business. But teller talking to you on a flight. <laughs> Where he's so good at that, you really think he he doesn't. You know he talks, but you know when he first says, "Dennis, would you like to eat?" Yeah, when I was in college, I uh, interned on uh, Late Night with Conan O'Brien and Penn and Teller were on, and Teller just kept talking, you know, backstage, and I was just like, "This is like seeing you know the Mickey Mouse at Disneyland take the head off." I'm like, right. "You're just ruining everything for me. You're supposed to not talk." <laughs> I know it's. They do have a. I don't think they have a smoke room because Disney was a smoke-free environment. But probably not early. Everybody well, I mean, not Walt, Walt's office sure wasn't. Oh, yeah. Walt was like four packs a day. Yeah. So I always loved the image of, you know, Mickey and Goofy taking the helmets off, and it's like 6,000 degrees, and immediately <laughs> they fire up a lucky non. <laughs> Nothing funnier. Um, all right. And by the way, Christian, I have to ask you, I, um, I'm not – paranoid about this and indeed if anybody out there from facebook listens to this podcast perchance in your free time 
and I don't mean in a paranoid way. I mean, if you, if anybody enjoys the podcast, send me a note telling me to quit using Facebook because I'm whatever you deem me to be. But I noticed, Christian, that, you know, I took a couple years off from Twitter. And then I went back on, and it seems like I've been on Twitter back now for, and I did it to sell tickets to shows. I was yeah. to sell some tickets. And uh, so I would announce my shows in there, and I'd write jokes. And uh, I've probably added 110,000 followers in the four or five months I've been back there. I noticed that I was on Facebook for years, and it was going up exponentially. I was up, like, to 1.1 million. Yeah. And uh, now it always goes down, and people send me, and and I'm not looking at it. Believe me, I'm not vainglorious about this. Where I look and go, how can this be going down? Everything, every piece of shit that falls out of my head is such a nugget of gold. I'm not looking at that. I get messages from people saying, why don't you uh, Facebook anymore, or why don't I get your announcements anymore? What what could happen at Facebook? And like I said, Facebook, I'm not over here whining. I don't want to. I'm saying, tell me, just send me a thing. Send Dennis, you're not what we like on here. You're an embarrassment. So I'll quit. Christ, it's not the center of my universe. But what can they do as far as not referring to people to you? Yeah, it, because like it, I said, I was going up exponentially, and now I'm starting to drop off. And rather than see it just wither away because I don't play by, uh, oh, and that sounds too precious. But if they're embarrassed by me, I'd love to get off. So they should tell me. I've had it explained that the algorithm changes, but I know that they what they really want is not you specifically, but all of us. They if you're you know any kind of if you're selling anything, they want you to boost your posts. So I think it's set up in a way like you know hey you know you only you only reach two hundred people with that one, but you give us ten bucks, you're gonna you know reach but a couple I thousand. I see that, and I think what. What does that mean? Boost your post. Why wouldn't everybody It'll, do it? I never hit it because I don't want to set off some crazy fucking chain reaction or something where people think you're nuts in love with yourself or uh, do you have to pay or do you open yourself up to cookies and all that shit? I don't know anything about the Internet. But I do see boost your post. So you're supposed to do that? And I think does it that cost you money. That, that's what they want. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily cost a lot of money. You reach a little bit more people. You know, uh, they offer that to me all the time for my podcast, the Black Cast. Thanks for asking. B l a d t c i s t dot com. Uh, but uh, and I just I just never do it because I'm like, what? I'm going to reach a couple hundred more people. What's that? What's that really going to do? And I well, I, know I wouldn't do it for bucks. that, but I'd do it. Listen, I need to sell these dates, and I like the fact that I had a million one people who yeah. would say, here's where I'm going to be to perform. If I hit that a couple times, and it'll cost me 40 bucks or something, and something it'll like put that. me off the shit list? Uh, yeah, I think it'll pop up more at the top of people's feed if you pay a little bit. Yeah, yeah well, then I'm, I'm willing to do that. I don't want to be, uh, you know, coffee's for closers. I want business to work. S- speaking but of But if closing. you see me doing that, folks, that I've promoted my – now – I, and this this sounds vain, but I, I also don't want to be seen as needy. So if I do that, do people know you did that? Uh, that yeah, it'll it'll say, it'll say promoted. I think I think if you pay for it, yeah. Well, what do you think then? I'll defer to you. You know the world better. Oh, than me. Is I it worth d- doing? Yeah, I, I'm think because yours is involving real commerce. You know, you're trying to sell tickets. I'm just you know, I just have a goofy podcast. So I should hit that say. once in a while. Yeah, hit it once in a while. But speaking of coffee Let me being write for that closers, because I forget. On Saturday, August 25th. Wait, I got sneeze. That's all right. Talk for a while. Dennis Miller will be performing in Hanover, Maryland. So make sure you go to ticketfly.com for August 25th. I didn't even know you had that date, but it popped up on uh, Twitter not that long ago. Hey, I'm going uh, 
Well, I'm going to take a little time off, go back east. And uh, is that, did you just say it's in Maryland? Yeah, the Hanover, Maryland show. Tickets are at ticketfly.com. All right. Wait, I'm hitting hit promote on Facebook. Okay. No, you're not fucking me around like the, the uh, emails from the Nigerian prince where I hit oh. this and you had my entire fortune. Oh, yeah. No, Zuckerberg is going to send me your credit card number. So it's going to be fine. How does anybody bite on that thing? Do you think anybody. It has to be somebody who's adult or old. Right? Yeah, I think you're just like, wow, this is going to really solve all my all my prayers. I feel so sad when I think of that. You know, for, there's a whole world out there you don't know, isn't there? Because in your world, try to imagine somebody getting that email and hitting it. Um, and then you realize there must be people in trouble. Yeah. You know, it, it, it really saddens me. Uh, it saddens me, obviously, because me, there's like ivory poachers or something they're just bad human beings that would fish like that so that part angers me but to think that there's somebody who could bite on that i often think they must be um, possibly learning disabled i'm not being mean or sure. so old they're so frightened it really it's beyond the pale you know let's face facts humankind doesn't always show well you know there's a lot of individuals that break your heart that they show well but sometimes when you hear things that other humans do to other humans you go what are you fucking kidding me you really want to you know get an old person who's scared about being alone and set up some faux relationship with them to get their money it's boggles the mind it stinks so badly now christian i've been i've done eight of these shows yes, today. i feel sure like have. wayne newton and his brother working the lounge in vegas <laughs> and by the way what's the new name of the show i forget this show uh hey! yeah <laughs> sponsored by <laughs> hyundai oh yeah you're right hyundai. <laughs> um but i'm gonna just let you tee things up. Sure. You can ask me anything about anything, problems that, in your life. That sounds like the old Raider Den record. That anything. sounds like the old Dennis X Machina. Speaking of which, we have uh, an old friend from the old radio show days. Corby in Missouri was a regular caller, and we have him on the line right now. He wanted to say hi. Corby, how nice of you, because I know you got to queue up for this. So that's sweet of you. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well, Dennis. It's like sitting in a favorite old chair again hearing you and christian talk except yeah, that I, I, uh, my chair likes me and lets me sit there as long as i want <laughs> <laughs> now i remember corb off-centered off sense of humor uh well, thank you corb that's sweetie i i can't i could not do the three hours a day anymore i was getting too pissed off and cranky and tired but the podcast is fun because i did miss the uh, the sense of salon so how's life out there in the show me state it's good. And, you know, Mr. Spade is coming to Branson in September, so I'm thinking you need to make us, you know, make a little trip out there and do a little show for us, too. Boy, I'd love to play Branson. That's a good Let me write that down next to hit promotion on Facebook. Call Gervitz about Branson. Because I did Branson once, and it was an absolute blast. I, ch I played the... Uh, um, the uh, American girl in Yakov Smirnov's uh, two-man show, Love Story. Love well, never means... Open again, so. <laughs> so what? Uh, what is happening, my friend? How's how's life? What are you up to? What can I help you with? Oh, I just want to. It's it's. There's so much anger, so much you know, and I miss listening to you every day. But you know, you turn on the Talking Heads, and they're talking about. Trump and Don Lemon, and, and everybody's set tighter than a bear trap and ready to spring 
spring on whoever gets near them. And, you know, I turn all that stuff on, and then it's one side versus the other. And I, I, I really sat down and I started thinking about it, and I thought, what are your thoughts on those little plastic things on the end of shoelaces? Have you ever tried to lace a shoe without those? Whoever invented those are genius. I just oh, wanted listen, to know what you thought about those. You know I hoarded those. And you, you bring up a painful <laughs> subject there. I hoarded those for 15 years of my life and was trapped under a shoelace plastic tip once for three days. Christian had one of those tracer beams on me. He came and pulled me out at the absolute last second. But uh, I don't know why you hurt me. I don't know why you want to cut me like that, but so be it, my friend. Dennis, if you ever come to Branson, you can stay at my house, forget forget the uh, condos, whatever. I'll make you all the coffee and, and whatever. We can smoke cigarettes and look cool together. Beautiful, brother. I'll see you there. It's a date. Thank you for calling in. We appreciate it. Hey, folks, if you like my show, you're going to love the Jordan Harbinger Show. Harbinger, not Harbinger, which I think is a precursor. Harbinger here on Podcast One. Jordan dives deep into um, the agencies, actually a pearl diver, and also into the untapped wisdom of the world's top performers. You're not shitting untapped. (laughs) Well, let me read this again. And I know you think I make these things up and I just all of a sudden get a jag that I got to talk about Jordan Harbinger. And I like the kid, but let me read this copy again. Jordan dives deep into the untapped wisdom of the world's top performers. I'm moving out of the country. (laughs) From from intelligence operatives... Like I'm reading the liner notes on Inagata DeVita. <laughs> huh? Maybe some of you don't get our name, Iron Butterfly. It's from iron meaning heavy, butterfly meaning light. <laughs> boom, 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 no, no, no. From intelligence operatives to legendary musicians, iconoclastic writers <coughs> to visionary change makers. Listen free each week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. In honor of uh, self-improvement, you may also like the Dr. Drew show, The Good Life, with Stevie and uh, Zazel? Stevie and Zazu Pitts, or Revenge of the Jocks with Martellus Bennett, all only on Podcast One. And I guarantee you, if you jump into any of these, uh, Drew, Good Life with Stevie and Cezanne, or Revenge of the Jocks with Martellus Bennett, you will immediately be able to dive deep into the untapped wisdom of the world's top uh, top performers. Untapped. That's not my M.O., Christian. No. I want to stay right in the shallows and skip. <laughs> I'm Blake Lively with a cut on a rock, and there's a big fucking mean fish in the water. Hey, folks, you know how hard it is to uh, hire. I mean, before I came upon Christian as my sidekick, do you realize what sort of Tatooine Cantina freak show I had parade in front of me? As I went to try to find somebody to work with, it takes too long. There's too many applicants. There's too many people from another dimension. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience 
and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective. Get this. Sit down. 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. You heard me. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Miller. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Miller. Trice, I say, ZipRecruiter.com slash Miller. Go ahead, my friend. All right. We have uh, one more caller lined up. Uh, William in Ohio uh, wanted to say hi as well. Billy, what's shaking, my friend? Hey, Dennis. It's so great to have you uh, back available on a platform I can listen to you on. You know, I, I kind of went through withdrawal when the, when the radio show ended. Well, I appreciate it. How's that idiot Kasich? Does he still play a part in Ohio, or what's Johnny <laughs> he's Kasich? A mo- he's, a, he's a complete moron. Like, yeah. as soon as I see him on TV, I just want to, like, either yeah. throw Wasn't a shoe his father a stripogram or, artist or something? Didn't his father deliver stripograms? <laughs> Yeah, he's 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 a complete wacko and stuff. But what I what I wanted to call and ask you was, you know, I I kind of thought the the concussion thing was going to kill the NFL, but I think they have completely, you know, mucked up this the the kneeling thing, and that's actually what may put put a put a final nail in the coffin of the league. You know, my friend, I saw the headline today in my local sports paper telling me what's going to do the league in. They're having on-field male dancers next year. Now, for God's <laughs> sakes, how far out of your way do you have to do to alienate the NFL fan base? I mean, do they really do, do they really think that it's everybody sitting around at Phileas Fogg's Gentleman's Club in London, you know, reading manuscripts and stuff? It's a bunch of guys who want to get loaded, eat that five-level dip, that you get at Costco, you know, the dip that looks like the uh, uh, on old United flights when you would sit in the bulkhead. Remember they had the five-level geothermal cutaway of the planet Earth on the bulkhead <laughs> and carpeting? There's that dip out at Costco that you can buy. It's a bunch of fat guys who can't play sports anymore eating dip, and they want to watch big kids collide into each other. All of a sudden, for God's sakes, they won't teach civics anymore in the classroom, but i got to watch an NFL game, and now they're going to have the Todd Riegert dancers come out. (laughs) And and all of a sudden, it's halftime. i got Tommy Toon doing pretzel dances. Come on. All right, my friend, good to talk to you. Eight (laughs) seconds. He's thinking, geez, I wish the podcast wasn't on. We appreciate it, brother. I'll talk to you down the road. But the NFL, I I can't. Oh, listen, I'm still going to watch the game here and there. If Aaron Rodgers is on, I'm going to watch it. But I canceled the package. And I think if you want to send a message to the NFL, just watch it on free TV and cancel the package. Because it really has gotten beyond the pale now. I mean, really, they're making the game much more important than it is. It was a bit of a uh, confection on the weekends, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I, I honest to God liked it. I didn't want to see anybody get hurt ever in life. I, uh, but it's, it's a brutal game. That has to be part of the exchange that I think people watch is the collisions. 
So the launching thing is a great role. Um, once, once the, they said, you're not allowed to leave your feet. I always thought that cause man, you don't have to tee a guy up that hard across the middle headshots. Yeah. Geez. I was young enough to remember Daryl Stingley being crippled by uh branch or uh cliff branch. I think his name was for, for the rest of his life. I don't, who wants to see that? I don't want to see that. So I like the fact that if a guy's coming across the middle, I guess, where are you supposed to take him from midway up his thigh pad through his breastplate? So I get that, but you can't tell guys to let guys go across the middle and not hit them. And if they hit them in that area, I guess that's guys signing up to play that. Uh, but I agree with them that they shouldn't leave their feet. But I hear there's a new rule now. I don't even know what the rule is about the crown of the helmet. I'm just saying you can't change the rules every single year and make it more ratcheted down. It It, it, it is a – I'll be honest with you, I think – if you asked people candidly, off the record, where they knew they weren't going to be traced, like the voting booth, what they prefer more about football, be it the design of the plays or the violent nature of it, what do you think, Christian? And I'm not putting it on you. I, I think it's. I think most people sign up for the violent nature of it. What I, do you think? I think you're absolutely right. I think, uh, you know, like you said, you, you don't want uh, anybody to be crippled for life, anything like that. But uh, the idea but that you're going to get That's knocked That's going to happen once yeah, in a while. Sure. That sport. That sport is – think about it. Think about how out of that loop guys like you and I are earthlings, you know. <laughs> I, I did football for two years. I used to bump into those guys – you know, in in the real world, like because the game is in t- a town, and you'd see them. They're so they're they're just different than you. And guess what? Some of them love to rock people. I can remember talking to more than one guy who that was their that's fun for them. So to take it and say, and then like I said, the only thing the players have ever asked Goodell, you know, they think a lot of these rules are crazy. And I told you that kid showed up in that. That had to made me laugh. We make football violent again. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but the only thing they ever said to him uniformly that here we feel this is dangerous was don't make us play on Thursdays. <laughs> That's the one he said, fuck you on. You're add, playing on Thursdays. They added more Thursdays. You know, I know. There used to only be a few Thursdays. Be eight. The now it's uh, every, every Thursday. Yeah. That makes me laugh. You see where the games start? Thursday. Yeah. Uh, and now the first one of the year, obviously, it's not a short schedule, but all the games are tomorrow. They're going to have more Thursday. Eventually, they'll move it to uh, all, Thursday, <laughs> all Thursday, and then they'll say, don't make us play on Sunday, and they'll do that. <laughs> he doesn't give a shit any more than I do. And, you know, I do. I think Goodell feels like me where he says, I hope nobody ever gets hurt. But at the end of the day, he, he is in a position to change it. You think he walked into the owner's? When they had a package for another package on Thursday night for probably a billion over two years and said, guys, we shouldn't take this. The players don't want to play. And we, like we said, we want to keep them safe. And Goodell saying, I'm, I'm in for 45 this year. The only way I could lose it is if I carry this message in and say, let's not take the Thursday package. I get whacked. Anything else I can do. I can lie. I can say I didn't see the elevator footage. All that bullshit I can get away with. The one thing I can go in and say is don't take this, two, this billion dollar package and I'm gone. And so he doesn't do it. I get the drill, but don't don't then tell me that you're worried about their their health and safety because you're not. And if you're working too hard to delude yourself that you are, if you can't at least accept 
that say, yeah, they did ask me not to play Thursdays, and I'm making them play Thursdays. All right, Christian, what else is up in the world? Well, I wanted to— No uh, more phone calls, though. No, no I love we're, talking we're to good. people, but I, I feel like I'm disappointing them now because I've done so many of these shows today that I'm starting to run out of energy so on them. So every person that's called— You, I don't mind insulting. Uh, and, and, you know, how often do you disappoint me in the course of an hour, you know, constantly? But everyone who was on with you messaged Listen, me that's after. what you get paid for is <laughs> the true. fame that you give a shit about me as a human being. That's all I ask from a close friend is when he's on the clock that he feigned caring about me. I, I really it's really important to me that you feel that way. Uh, but everybody who was on as a caller, they all messaged me afterwards. They were so excited. Thanks so much. Corby wants well, to buy me dinner. It, so I don't want to sound like a yeah. prick. It's just I. I don't. I always feel like I come up lacking. Oh uh, no, no, no. I'm on that phone. Uh, I wanted to keep it to uh, sports for a moment because I yeah. have a you know what's I, I up, miss I miss up, I miss Red Circle Sports. I uh, <laughs> <laughs> thought that would make you laugh. <laughs> oh, that was all. <laughs> Oh, that was sweet. <laughs> uh, an online mental health oh. marketplace is giving what? free confidential therapy sessions to Mets fans who fill out a form asking for their most difficult moments of, as fans. They're doing this completely free. Obviously, we're going to talk about the company, so that's probably why they're doing it. But as a Mets fan, and this is, I don't know, the worst year I can remember, uh, yeah. I appreciate them doing that. Not, uh, Christian, they Really, I don't know that the, were they this much of an embarrassment in the early '60s. I, I I think that just people were so excited that you know the the Dodgers right, and Giants have been gone yeah. for four years, and they're like, oh my God, National League is back. You know, I can I can see the Pirates, and you know the Dodgers are in town just well, with Christian, an L.A. I'm going to quit. I, I, you know, I was re. Uh, I'm a Pittsburgh Pirate guy. Sure, that's where I was raised. My son never has lived in Pittsburgh. Went to NYU, and fell in love with the Mets. Sure. And part of it is a bonding thing with your kids. So when I go to New York, I go to the stadium with my kid. So I can't say that I'm a, Mets are heartbreakers for me, but my kid loves them. So I go and we have fun and they've always treated me nicely. Um, but I, I, I'm telling you, I, something's really off with that team this year. I, I, I don't, the, listen, I can take losing. Uh, teams have to, the health thing is starting to wear me down, though. The yeah. delicacy of the players. I don't know how they change that, or literally if they, if they start drafting guys who what they're going to give you is 260, but they're going to play. You know, for the, or there's a better chance that they're going to play. I, I need some guys to quit being so fragile. I can't take that anymore. Like Syndergaard seems like a nice kid, and uh and I know he's got tools, but I can't watch him anymore. I always think every pitch he's about to fall apart. And he he just can't get anybody out, you know. On uh, you know, everybody can steal on him. There was a game where the Nationals scored like twenty five yeah, runs. And... Uh, didn't Max and Darling used to talk and say that yeah. uh, he had a tell, right? Yeah, and and I think Noah should know what that is now, but uh, I guess it's just in his mechanics that, that he can't fix it. But then you know, and then he gets. You know what, foot and mouth disease? I'm just like that has to be like an Onion Sports yeah, well, I article. That, that was a joke. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> I. I thought it meant that he stepped in it. He put his foot in his mouth. <laughs> yes. But that, exactly. no, it was some sort of uh, something during uh, 
like feudal days or something where he got a bad piece of hay or something well apparently apparently kids get it and he he got it from just doing like a clinic to help kids play baseball you know i guess they want to be able to not throw out base runners either but uh but how does it exhibit itself do you get like athlete's tongue what is i i I think and it's hand foot and mouth disease so and it it typically Mm -hmm. affects children younger than five all right but let me ask you this is it a rash? Is it, what is it? I, do you know I don't anything about. I don't it? see any images of it, which is probably good. Because, well, then how do you know you have it? Yeah, I, I don't. I maybe or it's is just, it like uh, is is it like uh, invas- invasion of the body snatches when the homeless guy's with his dog and he wakes up and the dog's heads on his body and vice versa? Is is foot and mouth disease where you wake up and your hands are on your feet? I'm just looking for some tell. Like, how do I know I don't have it right now? I mean, we don't. What is it? <laughs> I, I can't find out what it is and how well, you then, get it. But what, it's troubling. Look it up there, Ian. Oh, is it a picture? Oh, is it gross? He's got a gross picture. But what is it? It's a rash. Oh, okay. It it is finally, rash. I get some data on this thing. Ian's all over it. He's on something called Face and Mouth Book, <laughs> where you, people go on and they share Listen, I use everything to come together. We all got to start coming together. And if your foot is your hand and they're both in your mouth (laughs) and there's somebody else out there that you can rap to about it and we can all come (laughs) together. I dropped the mic. I put myself to sleep with that shit. Um, All right. What else, Christian? Christ, it's got cold in here, didn't it, Ian? Huh? I got a Christian, my air conditioner. Talk for a second. Ask Ian to ask me this question when I get <laughs> Well, anybody who wants to contribute to the mailbag, you can always tweet at Dennis DMZ, or you can tweet at me at Christian DMZ. Use the hashtag Dennis Miller option. That's how you can get our mailbag questions. The Match Me Sydney, Sydney, or of course the Touching Indians, but uh, in these troubled times, right, should we use the term? Back. It got so cold in here, Christian, that um, listen, you know, I've got a big nipple to begin with, oh, but uh, I I've got even more frozen, bigger. <laughs> I looked down, and they were doing that Pike's Peak race around my areola. <laughs> anyway, what? Because <laughs> when I start doing jokes about a Pike's Peak rally, I'm like, I know. as much as you I know. want to keep going for two hours, because you know, I, I love I'm that out. stuff. <laughs> and knows this part staying in the show. I think this part needs to stay in the show, doesn't it? Right. You know what I mean? Why Why would people not want to hear this part? All right. We'll pick this up tomorrow, and we'll make it a super clean edit. I'm going to tilt my head now from the right to the left, and when I pick it up tomorrow, a continuation of that movement so nobody will get bojangled by the whole movement thing. All right. Match me, Sydney. Well, looking at the mailbag, we hear from our friend Bill Griffiths again, who agrees. Listen, Christian, can I, can I pay homage to you for a second? Please do. Always time for that. Is this the little man I hired? You're like Mulan when she grew up and got wise. Go ahead. Ask your fucking question. Oh, Jesus. My earphones just ripped. I just Van Gogh'd myself. That's what you get. What would Van Gogh, by the way, have done himself if he had the -the over-the-ear noise reduction headphones? I don't think so. No, I think his life would have been much more fuller and Never definitely sold richer. sold a painting. Can you imagine what a goat fuck that is? 
can imagine you become Van Gogh after your Van Gone. What a... Oh. Go ahead. In the mailbag, our friend Bill Griffiths checks in, and he agrees with you about your favorite Beach Boys song, your new favorite Beach Boys song, Sail on Sailor. He says Blondie Chaplin kills on vocals. He also gives a shout-out to Wouldn't It Be Nice, Good Vibrations, and Fun, Fun, Fun. But his favorite lyric from Sail on Sailor, Caught like a sewer rat alone, but I sail. Bought like a crust of bread, but oh, do I wail. Mm. Did I tell you? I, I don't even know how we talked about that before. But was I referring to the documentary I saw? Well, you started talking about Sail on Sailor because I think you heard it after you uh, stumbled oh, out of yeah, the steakhouse. Oh, yeah, but I didn't tell you the story about the documentary, The Making of Pet Sounds. I don't think you mentioned that, no. Holy. Well, let me jump in here for a second. And uh, I get paid the bullshit for a living. And this is, this is the Tigris and Euphrates of bullshit. <laughs> Um, I got to look the cat's name up, though. Um, so uh, if I go haltingly. So then uh, um, Brian Wilson in this documentary, I, I think I saw it on Showtime. Yes. And you really got to keep your antenna up because they come up with some great, uh, great uh, documentaries over there. Um, but I think that's where I saw that Eagles one, which I liked. Although Bill Hader is so funny. Did you ever hear? I met Bill Hader at a New Year's Eve party once, and I was tell we were talking about the Blue Jean Connection. Have you ever seen them do that on their Documentary Now series? I don't think. Oh yes, yes, I oh, did see that episode. My God, right? folks! <laughs> Bill Hader, Fred Armisen, and Seth Meyers behind the scene, who wrote a brilliant one called uh, "There Was That Great J Japanese Documentary Called Euro Th Dreams of Sushi." Yes. Have you ever seen that? It's I'm like this old it, yeah. cat with a sharp knife in a subway station. And no, not Jack the Ripper, but he's, <laughs> he, he's got this little stand somewhere, and he's, it's thought to be the, uh, you know, the, the center of the sushi universe. And uh, so they did a parody of that called something like Pablo Loves Beans and Rice, where it was just a guy way off-road in the middle of Central America who prepared only three things, chicken, beans, and rice. But he was very meticulous about it. Like he would take each bean and rub it down and put it in the water individually. It was a brilliant parody of Jiro Dreams of Sushi. <laughs> so that's one of the documentaries. The entire show is a series of half-hour to one-hour documentary parodies of some of the greatest documentaries of uh, all time, like Errol Morris's Thin... Thin Blue Line and uh, Grey Gardens about, uh, you know, Jackie Kennedy's relatives. And they did one called The Blue Jean Connection. And it was a parody of the Eagles one that I loved. And I was telling him I loved the Eagles. He said, have you seen The Blue Jean Connection yet? And you have to watch. I mean, I can't even do justice to it. It's a, he, uh, he said that he liked the Eagles music, but Bill told me that he was blown away by the fact that they would write all these convivial harmonies together. And yet the band with Felder and it was so acrimonious. He said, yeah. nothing made me laugh more than I got a peaceful, easy feel. And then they'd get off the clock and it was, you motherfucker. <laughs> So the Blue Jean connections about that, these two guys who work in a sausage hot dog plant in Chicago and come out west and how they break up. And at the end, Hater, I think, no, it's Arminson. Arminson ends up back in the hot dog plant. <laughs> it is brutally funny. So um, 
that that was one of the Showtime documentaries I saw. The other one is this new Making of the Pet Sounds thing. And uh, I always thought, Van, what part did Van Dyke Parks play in uh, Pet Sounds? Because I always loved that name, and I always heard O'Brien worked with Van Dyke Parks on that. And it must have been the music, because the guy who did the lyrics was a jingle writer who the Beach Boys were in Japan, and, you know, Brian, his agoraphobia, or what is that word? Is it agoraphobia. Agoraphobia yeah. was starting to take him over, and he didn't want to perform on stage anymore. So I think that's when uh, my friend from up here, Bruce Johnson, who's a lovely cat, lives up here. He became the guy who traveled, Brian stayed home and jammed. And this was all depicted beautifully in that uh, documentary, uh, Love and Mercy, I think it was called. Uh, that starred Paul Dano. I couldn't. I can't give a movie a higher recommendation, or I can't give a performance a higher recommendation than Dano in that. If he'd won the Oscar, I would have been happy. And real quickly, I just read today that the Oscars are coming up with a new category called Best Popular Film. Did Correct. you read that? I did read that, yeah. Jesus, so they're going to turn this into the People's Choice Awards. Before, <laughs> you know, anybody remember Bogart? So anyway... Um, the uh, Paul Dana. Oh, Van Dyke Parks. I'd always heard him. Uh, he's an American musician, songwriter, arranger. I'll bet you he did the arrangements because the lyrics and three of the songs that I just cracked off in his email from the Match Me Sydney mailbag, uh, Good Vibrations, uh, God Only Knows, and Wouldn't It Be Nice are written by this cat, I think, named Chapman, who's a jingle writer. Brian's over at some studio in L.A. He comes out to take a break in the hallway. This guy's in there recording a, a Polydent commercial or something. They, they strike up chat. They kind of get on. Brian calls him the next morning. I might have his name wrong, but I think it's Chapman, and says, uh, hey, the, my brothers are over in Japan. And, you know, when they went on tours to Japan then, you know, you had to go over in a kayak, for God's sakes. It wasn't like you were over there for three days. They probably went for a month. <laughs> and this was pre-Budokan. And uh, they, uh, the, the, he says, uh, you want to jam? You want to write? The guy says, yeah, I'll write. He's a lyricist. He becomes a lyricist for Brian Wilson after meeting him in the hallway. Writes the lyrics to, one, God Only Knows, which Paul McCartney deems the greatest, perf most perfect pop song ever. Wouldn't it be nice? Uh, which has some of the grooviest lyrics I've ever heard in Good Vibrations. And Mike Love's in the documentary. It's funny, Mike Love usually serves as the, uh, you know, as the lyricist on the Beach Boys songs. He's in this documentary. And, you know, like he would come in and they'd, they, they had called her Bobby Ann. And he'd go, no, no, it should be Barbara Ann. And then he'd get a co-writing thing. But then he comes in. <laughs> And they go, what, what did you think of uh, chat? And Christian, can you look his name up? Tony Asher is his name. No, that wasn't well, it. it was he's the co-writer on God Only Knows and eight songs on Pets. Oh, then I've, I fucked this story up. It's lyrics uh, for, look up lyrics for Wouldn't It Be Nice, who okay, wrote the sure. lyrics. And that'll give us a more accurate thing. And I, I might have to re-correct this story and just concede that I was watching the uh, the documentary, what, on The Lauded? I, th <laughs> I thought the guy said that. If I looked up the guy's name, I thought it said he wrote the lyrics for God Only Knows, Wouldn't It Be Nice, and Good Vibration. Not the case? Uh, also, Tony Asher and Mike Love gets a uh, co-write on Wouldn't It Be Nice. But Brian Wilson, Tony Asher, Mike Love. Uh, what was this guy? You sure that it's not Tony Asher? for a second. All right. No, I don't think it was Asher. 
Well, I mean, if if you're listening to this podcast, you clearly enjoy entertainment that lives inside your ear holes. So a shameless self-promotion. You can always listen to the Blatcast, where you can hear me and a random what cast of characters. Is me out? No, I just watched. Uh, if I was hallucinating this, I'm off the ambient. I'm telling you. Well, just go down to half an ambi. That'll be all right. Wikipedia. I got to find this out, Christian. What would I look up that would give me more amplification? On well, this? I guess if you t- if you use this search term, because you're convinced the guy's name is Chapman, so I would put uh, you know Beach Boys Chapman would be my first. All right, let me try. Let's go with that. I'm sorry, folks, but this is real hey. life detective work. This is <laughs> Sherlock homepage. Uh, Beach Boys. Blondie Chapman. He said that he uh, had written the uh, the line. Uh, uh, maybe I always at the beginning of uh, wouldn't it be nice? Yeah, he uh, said that m- he had written a line. Um, I might not always, lo- or maybe I always, lo- you know. And he mm-hmm. because Brian said to him, these love songs are always so predictable. How can we screw the metier up? And I thought the guy said that he wrote. Maybe it's Blondie Chapman. Well, Chaplin. Blondie Chaplin is given the lead credits on Sail on Sailor, and then I guess uh, So Tough, and another uh, song called Holland. You know, Christian, I just looked it up, and I was typing and talking at the same time. So believe me, that came out like a Salvador Dali litho. <laughs> but it was Tony Asher. Why do I think Chapman? I don't know where I got that name, but it says, also heard from our lyricist Tony Asher, a writer of jingles Brian met in the halls of Capitol. Yeah, that's the guy. So I don't know how it, uh, but uh, Asher ends up writing lyrics on uh, three of the greatest songs that the Beach Boys ever did. So I just, the story's all true. It's just just a Chapman for Asher. Anyway, and the Asher guy's very cool. I mean, he, he, he doesn't almost try to get too usurpers are about it he's constantly kissing the uh, signet ring on brian wilson's uh piano hand and uh he gives him much you know all the credit he's imagine you bump into a guy in the hallway smoke a smick and the next thing you know you're into the history books with uh and there's also a cool part of it where um as unbelievable as it may seem and this harkens back a bit to uh f scott fitzgerald and hemingway sitting on that uh that island near Notre Dame called the Ile de Paris, I think it's called, where they're in the bar, and F. Scott Fitzgerald has written uh, Great Gatsby, and there's only two copies on the European continent, He and he's got one at home, and he's given one to Gertrude Stein for perusal. And Hemingway says, I'd like to read the new novel. And he says, well, I'll get you a copy. It's it's like akin to that where Bruce Johnson goes over to London. He's got two copies of the album. But you forget, there's no, it's not like you hit uh, Spotify or something and you download it. He carries them over. He's playing them at the studio. McCartney and Lennon are in the next room. And they ask if they can come over and hear it. And then they ask to hear it twice. And then Paul looks at Bruce and says, "That that's the greatest song ever. So... Love stories like that. But uh, Tony Asher, and uh, how did I get off on this deal? Oh, he with the, the letter about the Beach Boys. So I believe the lyrics for those three songs that you bring up, Mike Love might have dove on the grenade at the end, but I think they're Asher lyrics, so good for him. You know, reading a little bit about Tony Asher, he basically goes back to jingle writing, although he does write some songs recorded by the Partridge family. But apart from a collaboration with Brian Wilson for the Flintstones and Viva Rock Vegas in the 90s, that's like the last, you know, rock song that he really wrote. Wow. I think I remember. It was Anne Margrock or something? Yeah, exactly. That was my screensaver for the longest time. It was a picture of Anne Margaret from behind 
in the hosiery, the fogel hose, and the orange uh, mock turtleneck looking up at the king on the stage at the high school thing. You know, where she takes the king, she says, some of the kids and I are getting together tomorrow morning. We're going to jam. You want to come on? And uh, Elvis, oh, I, you know, I'll come on because he's trying to hit on her. He's like, Can you, why don't you jump up? The kids want to hear you jam. Meanwhile, he's like a towboy at the hotel at this point. It's not Elvis. He's a towboy. Chad or something. Uh, no, that's uh, Hawaiian paradise stuff. But uh, she says, jump up and jam. He's oh, I don't want to jump up and jam. He says, come on, jump up and jam. And uh, all of a sudden, it's all. That, that's what I loved about the king is immediately as he steps on the stage, they've got the dance steps done. The charts are done. Come on, everybody. Do the right. And then at the end, uh, Anne Margaret and he do that thing where they flail their legs over each other's legs as they walk towards the stage. Well, my baby. And you can tell right in that moment that they uh, must have been lovers there there's a con- there's a cordiality a shared intimacy there they're laughing so hard that they uh you can just look at it and think they must have sure they did i think Anne's uh didn't she cop to that in the interim or something i think so yeah she definitely has and uh and margaret <laughs> i finally met her with Bo one night Bo introduces me to all these women from my youth nice Bo comes to see o'reilly and i and uh, she brings Anne Margaret. She was with Roger, her husband, lovely cat. And uh, and then Bo introduced me to Ursula Andrus. So Bo is my uh, my dear friend. Bo Derek uh, introduced me to some of these girls from <laughs> my youth. <laughs> I, I met Anne Margaret. You immediately become like thirteen again. I'm her high end, you know. <laughs> Well, you might, she might not resonate with you, but because uh, you're, you're of a different era, who was it for you when you were young? Fair Fawcett or something? But Anne Margaret, for a sixty-four-year-old man like me, that was a, that was you know a, a when sweet I was spot when I was a kid, it was a, it was a different tier. You know, it was like Chris- you liked the Stone Ape on the Herculoids, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I was more I was more of a gloop guy, but uh, gloop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, remember that one? What well, was gloop and gleek were like? Weren't they Triceratops and their they, whole and power was shoot. shooting boogers yeah. out of their snout? Exactly. I mean, oh, that killed me. And then the, there was the uh, dragon who would flip his tail and fire off stink SPDs. But uh, Stone Ape <laughs> was my favorite. Always standing back there, Buckingham Garden, the whole deal. Um, match me, Sydney. What else in the mailbag? What else in the news? Or are we at the end of this? Well, we got this, one this more for uh, for the mailbag in this installment. But uh, don't worry. We'll be back on Thursday with some more fun, <laughs> including our friend uh, Wesley Smith will be with us on Thursday's show, Beautiful. Deborah Saunders' husband. Uh, but uh, Jeremy Chico uh, <laughs> tweets us, I think you, speaking to you, Dennis, I think you were as shocked as I when Romney lost the election. Given the level of corruption we have seen from the Dems and the deep state, do you wonder if there'll be a day when we learn that Obama's second election was rigged? No, I don't even want to know. Once this <laughs> shit happens, what am I going to get in the fucking time machine and yeah. go back? He lost. Uh, Romney was a little soft, man. Nice guy. Nice man. As I'm sure Obama is. I, I have friends who know Obama. They tell me he's a lovely cat. I, I believe that. Just a bad president for me. Uh, Romney was a bad candidate for me because he didn't fight like hell. And, uh, you know, you're going to get into the – if you're going to go for it, you better go for it, man. And uh, that's one thing that you could never say about Trump. He is a dock fighter, man. <laughs> and what was he supposed to do to prove that he's a good man? Lose again? Get his ass kicked so he could be a good guy? Like McCain was a good guy and Romney was a good guy? 
uh, he wanted to win. Some guys are like that, man. He's unabashed about that. So uh, do I even, you know, listen, do I believe in the deep state? Yeah, but I don't call it that because it gives it too much romance. It's not a John LaCroix thing. It's a bunch of guys who never leave their fucking jobs in government, whatever you want to call that. <laughs> and occasionally you've got to go back into the stock room and, you know, uh, Zamboni the place. That's all it is. It's guys who get stuck there a long time. You know, you've worked at some job with that crotchety fucker, haven't you? Figuratively speaking, you know who that guy is. Yeah, I do a podcast with that guy. <laughs> I, I know I said I was going to start the show with that, but I'm ending it this way. <laughs> That's the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Dennis Miller Option. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here.